Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Well, how many of you... uh have ever said something, had some words come out of your mouth, and you instantly regretted them. <laughs> you don't have to put up your hands. Uh, it's probably all of us. How many of you uh, have not said something when you knew you should have said something? <laughs> or perhaps you said something, and in the moment it seemed like the exact right thing to say, but a week later, or a month later, or a year later, or maybe even a decade later, you realized it was not the right thing to say, and you began to regret it. Now, my, my guess is, uh, without a show of hands, that that's probably every single one of us could say yes to all three of those questions. So over the next four weeks, what we want to do is we want to talk about the power of our words. We want to talk about the words that come out of our mouth, because as you know, and as we're going to discover, the words that come out of our mouth have the power to build up or to tear down. They have the power to connect or to pull apart. And what comes out of our mouth is so important. And so we want to talk about this. And so what we're doing is over the next four weeks, we're in this message series called me and my big mouth. Got a little slide up here for you so you can see it. Let's all say the name of the title together. Me and my big mouth. <clears throat> now I want you to notice something about the title. It does not say me and my husband's big mouth. <laughs> it also does not say me and my teenager's mouthy mouth. Me and my toddler's whiny complaining mouth. It doesn't even say me and my mother-in-law's mouth. It, it literally just says me and my uh, big mouth. And so we're talking about uh, right here. We're talking about our, my mouth and your mouth uh, as we go through this message series. So I want to just continually remind you of that. Uh, to kick us off in the right direction, I want to share with you a principle that comes from the scriptures as it pertains to the words we use. And this particular uh, passage of scripture is extremely, extremely helpful. And it's not going to catch any of you by surprise. It's not new material. But if we take this principle that we're going to be talking about today and we can apply it to our lives. And like the song said, it's like learning to walk, learning to crawl. You don't master your tongue overnight. It's a lifelong process of learning to control and to use the words that come out of your mouth in an appropriate way. And so here's the principle. Let me share it with you real quick. It says this, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And I didn't surprise anybody. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Notice the hand gestures, okay? I'm starting like this with my hands closed because body language says a lot. You know that. Um, if you're talking to somebody and you're sharing your most deep and intimate feelings with them and personal stories and they're like this, looking away, rolling their eyes with their arms crossed. You know that they're not listening. You know that they don't care. At least that's the message they're sending with their body, right? Because they're closed to you. And so what happens when you're truly listening and engaging with somebody and truly wanting to know what they have to communicate? What do you do? You open your body towards them. You lean in. And so we're talking about being quick to listen. And I'm just going to hold my hands over my mouth, slow to speak. Can we try the hand gestures together? We'll start with our hands like this in front of us. You guys can be practicing this at home, with your families, whatever you want. Okay, ready? Together. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Try it one more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, we're going to do it one last time, and what we're going to do is as we say slow to speak, we're going to slow it right down. All right, because that's the idea. So, we're gonna go, quick to listen, 
slow. I can't even hear you guys. You're so quiet this morning. What happened to the singers? All right, let's try this again. Quick to listen, slow to speak. This is the principle. I found it interesting as I thought about this that, (laughs) this is again no surprise, but we have two ears and one mouth, which is should be a sign that we should be doing at least twice as much listening as we do talking. We should be quick to listen and slow to speak. The reason why this principle is so important is is because of this fundamental truth. All of us want the same thing. Whether you are a little kid, mommy, mommy, look at me, listen to me, watch what I'm doing. Or whether you're a grandparent, whether you're at work, whether you're married, whether you're single, whatever age, gender, none of it matters. We all want to be heard and we all want to be understood. We want someone to hear what we have to say. We want someone to understand us. We want someone to care and to lean in our direction, right? This is a fundamental need of individuals. And so I find my wife is much better at this than I am. And for years, we've been noticing that everywhere we go, she finds people and starts these conversations with random strangers. And you could be in the line at the grocery store. You could be walking through a park. She would find someone somewhere and enter this long conversation and it's like, do you know that person? Not, now I do, <laughs> you know. Um, and she's just lean in and start talking to people. And, and she would always say to me, I don't know why people come and talk to me. And I observed her for a little while. And I finally I said to her, I said, honey, people talk to you because you ask them questions. Because you smile and make eye contact and turn in their direction. And she's like, yeah. I was like, it's like you actually care about them. She's like, I do. And like, that's the problem, <laughs> right? Because we're trying to get somewhere. It's amazing when someone asks you questions. You know what I've noticed? People love talking about themselves. And when you ask them about themselves, they love, they light up. This is what I care about. This is what I'm passionate about. Imagine what would happen if we learned to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That when we had the urge to say our thing and input our comments and teach somebody something, that we would just stop for a second and maybe ask a few more questions so that we could truly hear and understand the person we're talking to you. Now, at this point in the message, I have to remind you once again, quick to listen, slow to speak. This is, um, this is not, there's a chance that someone might be here today and be going like, man, I wish my, I wish my husband was here. I wish my teenagers were, were here for this Sunday because so-and-so needs to hear this. No, you and I need to hear this, and we need to hear it over and over and over again. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, this, this message series, this content was developed by Andy Stanley and his team at North Point. Our church is a North Point partner church, and so we're doing this message series. But, but this idea of quick to listen and slow to speak, this is not original to Andy Stanley. Uh, many of you will recognize it because it comes from the New Testament. And these particular words that we're going to be looking at today were written by a man by the name of James. Now, you may not know the history of James, but let me give you a little bit of information about James, also called James the Just. I got a little picture of him here. It's probably not an actual picture of him, but you know, it's, it's artwork. Uh, James the Just. Now, Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of them was named James. That's not who we're talking about. This, we believe, is James, the Lord's brother. This is, so Mary had this immaculate conception. She gives birth to the Son of God. After Jesus was born, it seems as though Mary and Joseph went on to have other children, like a normal family, Uh, Mary and her other sons are mentioned in the Gospels, showing up, trying to get to Jesus. James, Jesus' younger brother, uh, was not one of Jesus' disciples. And though we see him referenced a few times, it's not until after Jesus is resurrected that James appears as a leader in the early church. 
in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, he talks about how Jesus, when he was resurrected, he appeared to his disciples, and he appeared to some other individuals, and it says specifically that he appeared to James. Can you imagine (laughs) your older brother claiming to be God? Oh, yeah, sure. And then he dies, and then he comes back. It's like, okay, you got me, right? And And James, who is not one of the disciples, who's not a leader at the forefront, after the resurrection becomes perhaps the leader or one of the pillars of the early church. James is seen in the book of Acts making big decisions and leading the council in the early church. James is an important, important figure. In fact, he was so important that the the Jewish council, right, in Israel, they wanted to destroy James, just like they wanted to get rid of Jesus, And many of you will know the story of how the council met at night and they accused Jesus of blasphemy and they wanted to kill Jesus. So what did they have to do? They had to bring him to the Roman authority, Pontius Pilate, to get permission to kill Jesus. Because even though Jews had death penalties, they weren't allowed to kill anyone without Roman permission because they were under Roman authority. So they brought him to Pilate and they worked a deal and Jesus was crucified. Well, Ananus... The high priest in Jerusalem wanted to get rid of James. And so what he did was he waited for the opportune moment. He waited until Festus, the governor of Rome, died. And before they could appoint a new Roman governor, they took James, they threw him off the temple, and stoned him to death. James died, proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus, believing his brother was the son of God and had resurrected. And thankfully, before he died a martyr's death, James left us a powerful letter, and it's found towards the end of the New Testament, and that's where we find these words today. We're in James chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at a few verses, beginning at verse 19. Here's what he writes. My dear brothers and sisters, James is writing to Christian believers, so if you're here today and you're Christian, what comes next is mandatory. What comes next is not an option. You're going to have to do it. If you're not a Christian, I want you to listen to what he's going to say, because if you will listen to it and apply it to your life, I guarantee... It will benefit you and lead you to Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, he says, take note of this. Pay attention. Write this down. And the first thing he does is address who it's to. He says, everyone. Who's he going to be talking to right now? Everyone. That includes grandma. It includes little kids. It includes everyone. It doesn't matter. In his day, it could have been master. It could have been slaves who were purchased. I don't care who you are. Pay attention. Take note of what I'm about to say. And here's what he says. It won't be a surprise. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Think about that. That doesn't even make sense. How do you listen quickly? Like, you just listen. You, just, you, you can't speed it up. You just listen. So he says, be quick to listen. What does that mean? It means that listening is your first priority. That the first priority for us is to lean in, to open our ears, to close our mouths, and to receive information from other people. That we would listen to the other person. This, in fact, is actually an outworking of the golden rule. How many of you know the golden rule? Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus like, what do you want? You want to be heard and you want to be understood. So how about this? Be quick to listen. Turn, orient yourself to hear what the other person has to say. Let's start there. That's our first priority. Here's the next thing he says. Again, no surprise. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's right. Slow to speak. In other words, when you feel ready to add your comment, when you feel ready to push your agenda, when you feel ready, okay, I know what you're going to say next, and so I'm going to say my piece, and you want to jump in, wait, push, pause, and give it a second, perhaps ask a few 
more questions. Quick to listen and slow to speak. This is such a simple thing, but it's so hard to do. I was thinking this week about, uh, as a parent, I find this extremely hard to do. Because as a dad, I'm supposed to be quick to listen. Because it's talking, everybody, quick to listen, slow to speak. As a dad, I find myself very tempted, and often I fail in this regard. I find myself very tempted to tell my children everything that I know. Comes out usually in the form of a lecture. Because, <clears throat> this may surprise some of you, I'm over 40. And I've learned some things in my 40 years. I think I'm relatively intelligent, and I've experienced some things, made some mistakes, and I don't want my kids making those same mistakes, so I, I tell them the truth. And I tell them what they need to know, and I'm like, hey, why would you do that? That's stupid. Let me tell you exactly how that plays out, because I know how that's going to play out. And they're just rolling their eyes like, okay, Dad, whatever. And I'm quick to speak and slow to listen. You know, it's amazing. As a parent, you can be right and you can write your children right out of your home. Right? And, and so, as a parent, it's important for us to be quick to listen, to orient ourselves to say, tell me more. Explain why you think that. Explain why your friends are so important right now. Explain why you want to go to that thing. And quick to listen and slow to speak is hard as a parent, because we know the answers, and we're just, ah, I'm going to tell you. But it's not just parents that are on the hook for, for kids and teenagers, young adults. You also need to be, because this is for everyone, you also need to be quick to listen. You guys are real quick. Quick to listen, and slow to applies to you too, right? Because, again, when you're, if you're a teenager and your parents are giving you the lecture and telling you something, and you're rolling your eyes like, yeah, whatever, you don't know anything, you're lame, right? And your body language and your words are, are communicating, I don't care what you say, I'm not listening, right? You need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. You want to freak your parents right out, I'll tell you how. You might want to wait a few weeks so they'll know I'll put you up to it. But next time your parents are, are telling you the way it is, you know, instead of rolling your eyes and being like, yeah, whatever, uh, you think, you know, instead, oh, quick to listen, oh, you know, lean in, say, you know, mom, you know, dad, I don't really agree with what you're saying, but I really want to understand why you think that. Could you please explain it to me another way? I really want to understand. They'll just fall over and give you whatever you want. So try that. <laughs> it's, it's powerful when we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak. He continues. He doesn't stop there. He says everyone should be quick to listen, verse 19, slow to speak. And he continues by saying, and slow to become angry. Now, this, this fascinated me because we're on this communication topic, right? Like listening and speaking is all about communication. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but communication is the, the fundamental framework for all relationship. Whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether workplace, anything. Communication, the ability to be heard and understood and to understand one another is, is of paramount importance. If you don't figure that out, relationships fall apart everywhere. And I'm like, why does he talk about anger and not lust or pride or something else? But he says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then I thought about it and I thought, well, when we don't feel like we're heard and we don't feel like we're understood, and when there's conflict and communication isn't happening, what happens? We get angry. Tension builds. We get frustrated. And I've noticed that, that anger uh, destroys relationships. Maybe you've discovered this. Um, and anger presents itself in a number of ways. Right? There are lots of ways that anger can turn up. Um, there's two extremes I usually think about. Now, one of them is externalized anger and internalized anger. Right? Some people, when you get angry, you blow up. Blah, 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 blah. Everything comes out of your mouth. You say hurtful things. You stomp around the house. You scream. You make everything. It's very, it's like, oh boy, here it goes, right? Everything's externalized. And when you externalize your anger, you often overstep and step on the person you're in a relationship with and damage the relationship. 
Others of you, way more subtle, you internalize your anger. You simmer, you brew, and you stew. And that anger goes inside, and instead of stepping on somebody and making a big seal, you also damage the relationship, but you do it by stepping away, by pulling back. And anger damages relationship. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, we become angry because we're fighting constantly. We want to fight to be right. How many times have you been in an argument? You're like, I don't even know what this is about anymore. I just need to be right. We fight. We fight to be right. And here's the thing about this. This formula of being quick to listen and slow to speak is so helpful because the more we we stop our mouths and listen to the other person, the more we'll understand them. And the more we understand them, the less we are angry with them and frustrated with them because we're like, ah, I get why they're doing that. You see, here's the truth. I got a bunch of slides here that everything everyone does makes sense to them. Everything that everyone says makes sense to them. And everything that everyone believes makes sense to them. You might look at what they're doing and go like, I don't get it. Why would they do that? Why would they say that? Why would they believe that? Here's what I'll tell you. They have a perfectly good reason for what they're saying, doing, or believing. So if you find yourself wondering to yourself, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they would believe that. (laughs) May I suggest that the person who needs an education isn't them. It's you. I don't know why. They know why they believe what they believe. They know why they did it. You don't know. And so the solution when we're in conflict in relationships isn't to tell the other person the way it is. It's actually to ask more questions and listen, to seek to understand why, to seek to understand why they do and say and believe the things that they believe. So we want to be what? Quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book that I read years ago, super, super book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And what he sought to do in this particular leadership type book was to study the most successful uh, people and to say, what is it that makes these people successful? What are the habits that they, they have and employ in their lives that make them such a great success? And one of them he came to was habit five, and he says this in his book, seek first to understand and then be understood. Sound familiar? He probably got it from James, the just. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Have you ever had a conversation with someone? And they're talking to you, and while they're talking to you, you are formulating your perfect response. (laughs) Like 30 seconds into their communication, you're like, I know where they're going, I know what they believe, I know why they said that, did that, and I am coming up with the perfect zinger. I'm apparently the only person that's ever ever done that. But you're, so you're not listening. You're not listening anymore. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. You'd be better to ask more questions before you reply. But James isn't finished, okay? This is all helpful, but James isn't finished. He's going to tell us that there is a divine agenda that is uh, connected to these interactions in our communication and relationships. Here's what he continues to say. We're just kind of building the verse as we go, and we'll recap it at the end. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because, because, why would we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak? So, so we can somehow win the argument? No. So we can prove our point? No. So we can be more convincing? No. Here's why he says we're to do this. Because, he says, human anger 
does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The word righteousness means to be right. And, and what he's saying is that God's plan for you and for me is to be right with God and to be right with one another. And our anger and our frustration and our trying to be right all the time doesn't produce any of that. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't get us where God wants us to be and it doesn't get us where we want to be. And when I want my way and you want your way and we're in conflict, guess what happens? Anger arises and none of it produces what God wants to produce in our lives. My anger produces my righteousness, my rightness, right? Because when I'm in an argument, uh, here's the thing for me, I know I'm right. I want you to know I'm right, and I want everyone to know I'm right. And it's my anger. It's my rightness, not his rightness, not his righteousness. And my anger and my desire to do it my way doesn't produce what God wants to produce. So James is suggesting that when, we, when we're pursuing our rightness, when we're trying to prove that we are right in all these things, that it's not the right right. And I wrote this down, take a look at it on the screen. It says, we want to be right at one another. God wants us to be right with one another. We could just stop there and stare at that for a little while. We want to be right at one another. I told you, I, I figured it out, I'm right. God wants us to be right with one another one another, and that's something entirely different. Many, many a man has said, I won the argument, where is she? Many a woman has said, I won the argument, where is he? He went up to the garage. Like, you can write the people you love right out of your life. It's not about that. Because if the two of you in the relationship aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. By the way, um, Jesus didn't come to be right. Like, he came to the earth to live among us. And even though he was the only one who was holy, the only one who was righteous, the only one who had pure motives, he didn't run around proving to everyone that he was right and they were wrong. He didn't come to show us how right he was. He came to make us right with him, with our heavenly father, and with one another. He didn't come to be right. He came to make us right with one another. That was the goal of Jesus when he came. And, and I, honestly, I'm a parent, and sometimes our kids will fight with one another, and sometimes they're fighting about stupid things. They're just arguing incessantly, trying to win the argument. And as a parent, I come in, I'm just like, guys, stop fighting. And they're like, yeah, but I'm right. No, I'm right. And I'm like, it doesn't matter who's right. You're both going to get punished, right? Because I'm like, I don't care who's right about who took the spoon off the table. What I want is you two to be right, and God looks on as we quibble and fight with one another and our tensions and our relationships, and he wants us to be right with one another, not at one another. So, now the goal is clear. Uh, James continues, all right? He says this, therefore, in light of this fact, get rid of all moral filth. This, this word get rid means to, to take off, to remove, to strip away this moral filth that kind of sticks to us, like clings to us, like shedding skin. It's like, ah, oh, just get that off. And so we're to, to peel these attitudes and we're to peel these behaviors off of ourselves actively. He says, and the evil that is so prevalent, like these things that we're learning to do, like to, to lean in and listen and, and just be slow to speak and slow to anger, like these, these are things that God wants for us, but they're so prevalent in our society. These, these things, this, these attitudes of I'm right, it's everywhere. So he says, you got to strip it away. you got to peel it off, shed it away, 
In verse 21, he says this, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. (laughs) You're not going to be saved by winning the argument. You're not going to be saved by being right. You're going to be saved by receiving something from outside of you. Specifically, James here is talking about, when he's talking about the word, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about this understanding that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That we receive the fact that, that Jesus didn't come to be right, but to make us right. And when we receive that, we have no option but to live in the same way that he did. To go out and to be peacemakers. To go out and to begin to make things right with others instead of to win the fight at every turn. And he says, when we're humble enough to peel away our self-rightness and to receive this message of the gospel and begin to live it out, it has the power to save. So let's read the entire uh, verse together because we did it all broken up. Here's what he says. Let's read it together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So, in closing, uh, let's practice this together. You guys ready? Get your hands in nice and tight. (laughs) All right. Body language is important. Ready? So we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. James is essentially saying... um, Don't settle for being right. Make things right. You know, we have two ears. We have one mouth. Also fascinating to me that our ears can't be closed. You ever notice that? They're always open, always on, always listening. Even when you're sleeping, they're always receiving signals. And your tongue has been hidden away behind your teeth (laughs) and your lips so you could turn it off. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. So... In just a moment, I'll pray and close, but you know, if, if you're here today and you're a Christian, there's a ton to work on. You'll spend the rest of your life applying this message, right? You go home and you'll be like, ah, ah, right? So you, so you can practice this, uh, obeying Jesus, obeying the words of James. Man, I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to speak, and you're going to have to work this out and continue. If you're here today and you're not even, you don't even know about Jesus, the Bible, Christianity, you're like, I don't know about this. Uh, I want to tell you something that's really powerful about Jesus. God sent his son into the world. He was born as a baby, helpless. And, uh, and he grew up in a broken world that we all experience, man. And he, he would have lost family members and he would have suffered and seen people sick. And like he, he experienced life like we experience it. And for 30 years of his life, almost nothing is recorded about him. It's almost as though for 30 years he was just observing and listening and watching and hearing and understanding, and what's so powerful is at the age of 30, he emerges and begins to preach and speak, and crowds are drawn to Jesus. In fact, people who were absolutely nothing like Jesus wanted to get near Jesus. Prostitutes wanted to be near and hear from the perfect Lamb of God. It seems, seems odd to me. Tax collectors, sinners, robbers, they were attracted to Jesus, even though he was nothing like them, because they felt that Jesus heard them and understood them, and positioned himself to care and love them. And what Jesus did is he, these people who would come to him, he would invite them to follow him, to live like he lived, and to believe in him. And just like he invited them to follow him, Jesus invites you and every single one of us in this room to follow him as well. Can we pray together? 
Father, thank you for these words of James. Thank you that they've been recorded for us. And Lord, this is it's not an easy message. It's, it's like, oh, quick to listen and slow to speak. God, would you give us the strength to do this? Would you help us to strip away our pride and our self-rightness so that we might truly hear and seek to understand the people in our lives? God, help us to have a humility about us like Christ, who is the most humble. Lord, to truly care and love those around us. God, would you help us with this? Would you strengthen us? Thank you for what you have done and how you've modeled this for us and empowered us by your spirit to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.